Hey friends, welcome to episode three of Feather and Mountain podcast. If you have not seen the Wad on Prime drops that have been happening since September 2020, the links are in the description. I recommend doing that before you listen to this episode. Thanks so much. Enjoy. Welcome to episode three of Feather and Mountain Podcast. This is a showcast, if this is your first time catching us, dedicated to the upcoming Wheel of Time series on Amazon Prime. I am your veteran reader, blatant and raging feminist, and I got some opinions with me is my fabulous, fantastic, and currently pillow-forted co-host, Virgil. Yeah, no, and if I could find the unmute button and make things a whole lot better, I wouldn't say that I'm strongly opinionated yet, but I'm hoping to be soon. That's the plan here. If I may quote Lord of the Rings, you will be opinionated one day, but not this day. All right, well, let's... Get the show on the road here. Beautiful. Well, cheers to episode three, amigo. And because I make every other podcast do this, we're going to start with a little Verge. What you drinking? I am so happy you asked this. I am having literally my favorite beer on the whole planet that you somehow procured in a place that we can't get it. It is brewed in Newfoundland, Canada. And St. John's, specifically in Kitty Vitty, it is from Kitty Vitty Brewery, and it is iceberg beer made with pure 20,000-year-old iceberg water. To be clear, I think it's like a teaspoon of water that actually goes in there, but I can taste it. It took down the Titanic, so it tastes pretty good, yep. All right. We are channeling the spirit of Jack this evening, folks. Let's take down the fucking Titanic. For what it's worth to our listeners, because this will be relevant, I also want to point out that Verge's beer bottle color is blue. It is indeed something blue. Lock that in your brain. Another teaser, I guess, right there, huh? Indeed, 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 indeed. So because, you know, you're a first-timer, I'm going to call you a never-reader, which is not dissimilar to a never nude <laughs> not sure those are similar things but yeah no the word never's in there so i'm with you so far i was thinking mostly of jorts <laughs> jorts in the shower you get it so because verge is a never reader verge what do you remember from what we covered last week i remember the imdb uh website all the cast roseman pretty excited uh definitely watched gone girl this past week totally went back onto it yeah she played psycho so well in that show i remember uh, things that are burned in reluctantly locations of certain anatomy parts that's never going to leave but past that I, i it's pretty fuzzy for the most part except for that i know the pictures of people's faces now so I think that that's going to be exciting for me to go forward a little bit more with that. 
Absolutely. And um, for both Virgil and our listeners, I should let you know that we will be having some guest hosts on soon. And we're going to be covering some fun topics. And one of those topics is going to be a slightly deeper dive into the characters instead of just like objectifying them for their beauty. Okay, just to be clear, I did not objectify beauty only on those things. There, You may have gone a little down that. I was trying to see the deepness in eyes and everything like that. I'm trying to see depth. Wicked heart. I was trying to see the depth of Yosha's ass. Yeah, I think that was more along the lines right there, yeah. So Roseman Pike's going to be the first one on. Our, our guest, that's our first guest. Bring yeah, her on absolutely. down. Is she in the house right now? Is she coming down the stairs? That'd be fantastic. Actually, if you unzip the <laughs> look, pillow Look under your chair. You. <laughs> she could be right there. One day, Rosamond, if you're listening to this, please come to my basement. Yeah, it's so not creepy if you say it. It's creepier if I were to say, please come to my basement. But yeah, she might come. I've got a, who is it? Melissa Etheridge? Which, come to my window. Yeah, I don't think. The version of come to my basement's taken off yet and probably shouldn't i don't know if the fan base for that is what you're looking for well not yet but you know there's always one okay so uh last week we covered the ef5 you got some vague impressions of like who people are their faces if you saw them you would maybe recognize them Today, what we're doing is I'm really excited for this. Uh, so, the Wheel of Time on Prime has started dropping occasional releases for the Superbook fans. And so, they just released it on Twitter. It's from the Wad on Prime Twitter account. And it's primarily targeted towards the readers. You are not a reader. Not the never readers. No, just you. Okay, so like you would call these teasers? I would call them teasers, maybe drops. They're not leaks, which is important. Oh, that is probably important, yeah. Just so our listeners are aware, we will not be going into any leaks that haven't been officially released from the show. So we're only going to cover material that casual fans, the filthy casuals, we'll call you, might encounter in their world they wouldn't go out of their way to like creep instagram uh hashtags to try and to find out who's in prague hashtagging wheel of time and like desperately going down that rabbit hole what series i loves you no shade please no leaks because i have basically killing myself week after week not googling right now and i've promised you i won't google a thing but it is quite tricky. I had to turn off my notifications on um, on Discord, I think is what it is, just because of fear, because some of them that were popping up, I was worried that I would actually see some leaks. So I just check the ones I'm only allowed to check that you've certified me to check at this point in time. Now, further down the road, I'm only a man. I will do everything I can, but I can't promise it. I, I'm going to try my best. Like if something comes on your radar... Not from anyone in this fandom actively spoiling, because there will be blood. I'm sipping a milkshake when I say that. If something comes up on your radar, like whether it's on Twitter, Insta, whatever it may be, I'm okay with those leaks. If it comes on my MySpace, is that okay? It's actively encouraged. All right, let's get into these drops. The first 
trailer we are going to see is what I like to call the first look. This dropped, as you can see, September 9th, 2020, um, which was Wednesday, maybe? Can't say I really have my dates remembered that well back then, but it was September 9th, 2020. I can see that, so. The reason Wednesday's relevant is because we used to have a thing called Watt Wednesdays. So we would time Wednesdays when drops would happen. Uh, when the show came out, they promised us, don't worry, you'll still get your Watt Wednesdays. And then sometimes we didn't. And most of the time, in fact, we didn't. But yes, September 9th, 2020, we get this. You want stories? Tom Marilyn declaimed. I have stories, and I will give them to you. I will make them come alive before your eyes. Okay, <laughs> what do you think? Did it? Did it just? Did it stop? Was there not? Was there not more? I mean, okay. What do I think? Play it on loop. I'm gonna try and get stuff out of this. Okay, so from what I get, from what I read at the time, this takes place in a river. This is an inn. So I'm going to guess it's transient. Is there a chance that people meet at this end? Am I supposed to be guessing things? Is that what you like me to do? Because I can do that. But I don't want to give away. That tree is quite breathtaking. For so as we're going, you can see here that it focuses in on the innkeeper and mayor of Emmons Field. So remember that I called some of the characters the EF5, the Emmons Field 5, if that's any kind of like hint. So basically, all this is, is the first look that we have gotten of any set piece. So this is, um, it's just, it's called the Wine Spring Inn. It's located in Emmons Field. And we get to see the set that they've been building that isn't a leaked image that was deliberately done for us, the fans. How do you feel about this? Does this live up to your hype? Do you feel that this is an, uh, a good depiction of what you thought it would be? Because for me, this just like, as a farm kid, this looks like an old decrepit barn <laughs> with a beautiful tree out in front of it that most likely is producing things. But for you, when this first came out for you, I'd love to know, I'm, I obviously know you got excited. That is your MO. But was it positive excitement? Was there something they could have changed without giving anything away? Was this... Did this make you happy? So we know there's going to be changes to the show. Little changes like how many floors are in the inn don't phase me. Little things like uh, Emmons Field typically has thatched roofs. The inn stands out because it doesn't. I think someone fact check me. All of those like those small changes I'm not phased by. When I saw this, I was absolutely jacked and so excited just because one, it looks believable. Like you were saying how you are a farm kid and it looks like something that you would see. And how amazing is that? That this is a fantasy show and this looks real. This looks believable. The crazy thing about this kind of architecture and these kind of buildings too is, you know, for the basis of science fiction. This could be a Robin Hood themed time era, and this could be a tourism place at this point in time today. This could be a dairy farm out in Switzerland. This could easily be something that was a set or something that was, you know, 
from Roman times. It's, it's old, right? You can't tell wood, you can't tell what it's made of from this point in time, but I'm happy that you're happy with it because that means that they're moving forward positively with the set, I guess. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it was like so unexpected when it happened. It was around the one year filming mark production had been shut down for a while because of the pandemic and for them to give us this like sweet sweet juicy treat i was yeah i'm still excited like i love i just love that this looks so deliberate right like the book in front and maybe i'm just an idiot when it comes to tech and this was like the book was done after but it looks like someone is just curled up in a village reading a book and like you're just immediately drawn in to the atmosphere and like I can hear cows, the clattering of horse hooves, like just from this image. I guess one more thing would be that this image, this barn has a depiction to either be a horror movie or could also just be a nice place where someone's whittling something outside. So it gives away nothing to me in the sense as a never reader to whether this is a, a good place to be, whether this is a bad place to be, whether good things happen here, bad things happen here. So it's kind of fun in that sense. And the more we do this, the more upset I'm getting at myself for not reading these books, actually, because your excitement over a barn makes me feel like I should be very excited over this. And I, I, that does make me excited, so. Yeah, I mean, it's not too spoiler like to say it's it's we're getting this in the first episode. Uh, episode one, I believe, is called Leave Takings. We're going to be in Emmons Field at some point. We are going to see this in. This is a story I've been attached to for 20 years now. We walk into this village in chapter one of Eye of the World. As a first image, this it felt right to show this in, even though it's not like crazy integral it was just it's a moment it's you absorbing the story and it's just i still find it like very powerful what else you got okay i'm so jacked for this i can't even begin to articulate drop number two you can see it's october 28th 2020 so this is like more than a month and a half Almost two months since the last drop. So, your girl was thirsty. This is titled, A First Listen, Period, which I love. This is just an audio clip for you. You ready? No. Me You ready? I am ready after that. Obviously, there's a war going on in the background. There's some huge turmoil. You can hear the swords fighting. You can hear people screaming. Things are bad. And then the ready part makes a lot of sense because they could be jumping off a bridge. They could be charging somebody. They could be doing a million different things. But the end where it almost happened, like bear with me a little here, but almost has like a beam me up Scotty kind of noise that happens at the end where obviously I'm assuming that's power something is coming into effect there that they don't use often that they're scared to use and that was roseman pike's voice i do believe so uh we actually do know who is in the scene because it came out later so from the showrunner and also the um actor so it's not a spoiler because again it's 
not a leak. So that is Egwene Alvear, played by Madeline Madden, and Marcus Rutherford, who's playing Dorito. So Maddie is the one who says, are you ready? And then we hear Dorito, no, me either. So that's like those two characters. And for what it's worth, book readers have no idea where the scene is at all. I'll try and get over my Roseman Pike thing because I'll quit guessing it for everything at this point in time. But yeah, that uh, that makes it sound like something big is happening in that one. Is that why you hate Dorito? It's because of that trailer. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, so those two voices, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say that, yeah, we as book readers, when we first like had this first listen, we had no idea where it was, what was happening. We just knew we were excited. There's a lot of theories that the voices that you hear from, like Egwene saying to Perrin, are you ready? That those have been overlaid um, on top of the screaming voices in the background, and they're not necessarily from the same scene. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. If you have any idea about like what could be going on, what they might be ready for. I had a quick theory on it. Yeah, they stumbled upon something. Or they're they, obviously the first thing you think of is they're getting away. They're trying to get away from something, but it's not. I don't get like that they're saving people. I get that they're running away or that they've stumbled upon it, whether it's like an inception piece where they've gone to a different uh, time realm or anything along those lines. Something like that is happening where they're about to do something they're not comfortable doing or aren't prepared or aren't good at doing for the most part. I need to bring up that Shansony in chat just suggested that maybe Egwene is getting ready to snack on a Dorito. And that's, yeah, a high probability. So drop number two, to me, like it was great. I loved it, loved hearing the voices. It didn't have the same impact as like seeing the wine spring in, but it was enjoyable. This is death by a thousand cuts for you guys, isn't this? Like, I know it's exciting. I know it's good, but like, I, this is amazing. Like the amount, how small these are, how little they give away. They are not giving anything away whatsoever. You are playing 100. The fact that you said that no one knows where this is in the books, that no one's, I'm sure there's lots of theories out there. I'm sure lots of people theorized it at this point in time, but like they are not giving anything away. So I keep going. Let's see what's next. Yeah. Like we're a little bit masochistic. They're a little bit sadistic. It works. Okay. Drop number three. This is the first of, you know, the old rhyme, something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. These sadistic motherfuckers gave us these four. And we're going to show all of them because the last something blue was was just released like a couple weeks ago. So we're starting with something old. Um, in terms of background, what you need to know is that there is a sword in the series that has um, herons on the hilt. At least we think in the books, a heron on either side of like, is it called a pommel of the blade? I don't own a lot of swords. Can't help you on that one. I was definitely going to say the wrong one. I'll go with pommel. That sounds right. Yeah, we'll go pommel, hilt. Hilt. The place where you hold the stabby stab. So it has herons on it, and that's a really important part of the blade. 
Oh, yes. And Dana has also pointed out that it's on um, the hilt and then also engraved on the blade itself near the bottom. Okay, and we can go through this slower. We're paused right now, as you can see, on the etching stage, where we see what's written as bronze heron, long hilt, so we smash that. Um, and then we've got, you know, some stabby stab, and then the girth of the sword as well is displayed. Not too girthy, pretty thin. The easy depictions of this is a samurai-style sword. Giveaway from the style of sword, obviously, from watching The Last Samurai too many times with Tom Cruise, the also Asian currency that's showcased in that part with two gold clips. And then obviously it's over time, so it's going through a time lapse while it's in the uh, forest here. So this is something that I assume is born early in the show and goes throughout the show, I'm going to guess, something along those lines. Now, the Bronze Heron, I would assume, is either a label of somebody of, I guess, great honor that had that and you can maybe get that honor or it's uh, a house name if you will but you can tell it is 100 i guess asian culture would be the best thing i can do for um those style of currency just i don't know if that's currency or if that's a piece that makes the sword it's the hilt of the sword there the base plate to the sword that's kind of what i get out of it right now so remember when i was like talking about the herons how there's some on the hilt and also at the base of the sword itself on the sword that we see here. And actually this is the first time I'm noticing it. And I don't know if this has been brought up before probably has, but I'm just really excited. Part of the controversy when this video first dropped, people were losing their damn minds because there was no herons. We couldn't see a heron on the hilt. So people were theorizing, okay, well, maybe they're on the other side. Maybe they're not doing like herons on both sides of the hilt. But if we look at this still image in construction, we see hammers and paintbrushes. Like this is very much like the weapon being built. Count the herons around the blade that have not yet been placed on the sword. What about in the top left? It looks like something with a label on it. That really threw me for a timeline loop. If this was something that they were showcasing as a prop they were creating, obviously. But uh, I don't know way back when if there was a lot of uh, plastic lids with uh, blue bottles and labels wrapped around them. That obviously is probably paint or something along those lines. But that's where it threw me for a loop if this was uh, set design again or what this was exactly. Yeah, I think my best guess is set design and like seeing these three remaining herons that haven't yet been placed. I think there's a good chance us fans can cool our damn pants because those three remaining herons that are just laying around the sword waiting to be placed are enough to put two on either side of the hilt and one on the either side of the blade. So we will have four herons on the blade. Of course, then we get this shot. And then maybe my theory is all for shit. Because again, 
when we see the sword laying in the leaves, we still only see that one heron. There's nothing on the hilt. Tough to say. Tough to say. Play it, like, let it play through from here. Okay, that's just a day-to-night shot. That's not a time-lapse shot. So that says something a little different to me. Yeah, so I mean, for the fact that this is the first prop that we've seen. So we've seen a setting, we've listened to some voices, and this is the first prop that Wadon Prime gave to us very hungry and rabid fans. What do you think that says about the blade itself? I know you've you've theorized that it's going to go the duration of the show, but like what kind of significance, if any, do you think this blade has? Oh, leader, sword, hero, that kind of mentality. Whoever holds it, great power, no question. Obviously, the herring is something I'm going to be looking for pretty attentively once this book starts now, because it's the most I've ever heard Heron used in a sentence in my life. Yeah, I would assume that it either goes to a great hero, it either showcases something of great importance, you know, whether it's just a king that holds it or whether it's a hero that wields it. One of the two mentalities, but I would guess that it's something, like I said, that goes to the duration of the show. Cool, cool, cool. All right, drop number four. After something gold comes... So this something new, again, if we look at the date, December 23rd, 2020, this is almost two months after their last drop, but they gave us a little sweet Christmas treat. She nods her head to Tom Marilyn, 50s, who's finishing a beer as he heads back up to the stage carrying his guitar. Tom is wearing the patchwork of color on the inside of his cloak identifying him as a glee man. So we'll come back to this so I can kind of point out some things that are significant just in this statement that is different than what is in the books. And this is why, in part, this is something new. Okay, immediate thought, seeing the assembly of this beautiful guitar. This is not how they showcased it on how it's made when I watched that on a flight once, but obviously older person, 50s was the giveaway in that one, but donation for the Gleeman, gesture, some of the plays in the courtyard, some of the plays music. This is in a medieval time setting from where it's paused at the end of this, just judging by candlelight and benches alone. Mysterious voice, though. The donation for the Gleeman, it seems like that's not the only gig, or they either know a lot more. Kind of like, give me some money and I'll give you some information type mentality. That's definitely my initial thought. Yeah, so a lot to kind of unpack here. We get a prop, we get a setting, and we get a voice. So we're combining all three elements from the previous three drops that we've got, which is great. And obviously, given how long it has been since we had a drop, we went bananas over this. But there was some controversy because, again, we come back to it being called something new. So without, you know, kind of going into spoiler territory, we meet Tom, who we see described as having Tom is wearing the patchwork of color on the inside of his cloak, identifying him as a gleeman. And then we hear this voiceover. 
saying donation for the agreement. It's not a spoiler to say that's Tom's voice. We haven't, that's not a line from the books. That's new. Also new is his patchwork of color on the inside of his cloak. Gleeman's cloak have patches, but on the outside. So they're just like flamboyantly colored. There's um, uh, Seth, who's a podcaster from What Spoilers, has the most beautiful Gleeman's cloak. I'll see if I can like pull that up and show you so you have a contrast. But one thing that we see the show is doing is that Gleeman have patches on the inside. And finally, and this is what made some people shit their pants, Tom, in the books, doesn't have a guitar. He plays the flute occasionally, but his big instrument is the harp. And so, like, even his chapter symbol in books is the harp. Guitar is just sexier, that's all. I mean, that's Hollywood. Just That's 100%. And the funny thing is, reading this, I still don't know if we're jumping ahead in time in this Wheel of Time. So that reading that right there could have been literally at a bar downtown right now kind of mentality. So I had no idea until, so I'm very happy the visual came along with it because that definitely helped out a lot. The Patrick on the inside meant something different to me because uh, in sports that I played, a lot of times our suits, we would get our team logos sewn into the inside of them or anything on those works. So I thought it was him hiding something. So it's good to hear that it's on the outside, I guess. But I mean, even with you, like having your team like logo on the inside, it's not necessarily hiding it. It's showing that you belong to something, but it's just like a little bit more reserved than it would be if you were. Yeah, no, you're a person first and then you're that second, where it sounds like for the gleam in here, it's your gleam in first and a person second kind of mentality if you're wearing this on the outside. Perfect. Yeah. So this one, this drop, I mean, I loved it. We haven't gone into the actor who's playing Tom Marilyn. You've seen the name now. So I will introduce him um, in a future podcast, but I didn't want to like overburden you. So Tom Marilyn is played by, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this, but it's Alexander Wilhelm. Wilhelm. He says it Frenchly. So it's like, Wilhelm. That's German. We, you. Anyway, that guy, he's in Vikings, um, if it helps. So you might recognize him. Okay, so he is hot. Alexander, ooh, spicy. Very good looking silver fox. Tom in the books is wiry, maybe in his 70s, definitely late 60s. Has like these long white mustaches that he's constantly knuckling. Don't know what the fuck that means, but knuckle sandwich. Are you able to tell me that that doesn't make him sexy, all of these things? To each their own mentality, you don't know, right? Yeah, he's like sexy Gandalf. So now to have like this more rugged and physically fit gleeman Tom Marilyn, who plays the guitar, like strum those strings, Tom. Let's go. Sex sells. No offense or buts about it. It's the way that it goes. No complaints. No, that, uh, I, I might look up who that guy is. I think that's the only thing I'll look Permission granted. Absolutely. All right, what else you got? So this is actually my favorite drop. It's a little bit more in depth um, just because there's seven still images. So we can try to move through those. You know, like there's a description there. We don't need to spend a lot of time on that. We've had podcasts 
and a live stream on the dusty wheel, breaking this down for honestly hours. We're not going to get anything out of this that hasn't been seen before. So I'm mostly interested in your initial reactions. This next drop, we're deviating from the something old, something new theme because this drop came out on Friday, January 15th, 2021, and it came out on Rafe's birthday. Uh, So it was kind of like a treat to Rafe. And uh, I'm just so excited for you to watch this. It's 17 seconds long, which I think makes it our longest drop. The eye of the world was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But January 15th, 1990 was a beginning. I should correct myself. This drop happened after Rave's birthday, deliberately, did come out on a Friday. January 15th, 1990 was the release of Eye of the World. So book one in the Wheel of Time, 31 years ago. I'm just going to like let the video play and then we'll slow down and go through each of these seven images. What strikes you first, just looking at all of these? It's weird, but like CGI, the effects is one of the weirdest things. Some of them are so like well done the first one where they're standing over the bridge and then there's you know certain ones that kind of look almost i don't want to say that a religious scene but like uh kind of like a roman style back when painting kind of style scene i was really confused by the wagon circling because i thought for a second that this was becoming western (laughs) but yeah no let's slow down and go through these images while i'm just getting to those images any thoughts about what's special about the eye of the world is the themes of balance of gender. I know we've talked a little bit about it, but does anything like what does that mean to you as someone who obviously hasn't read the book, who's heard me yell about the one power and the binary nature of it? I want to say it was ahead of its time then, but I I don't know why I feel like I'm wrong if I say that. But the balance of gender versus the balance of power are the themes. And with that, it kind of, it's one side versus another type mentality then. It's what I get out of that. So this is the first picture? Yes. So what what on Prime has started doing, especially after uh, there's um, a Twitter user who goes by the handle our channeler, and they are legally blind, and they've really brought it to the attention of, of what on Prime and our resident uh, book nerd who is, is on set as a consultant. So she's the book consultant for What on Prime. Really brought it to their attention that for people who can't necessarily see, it would really help to do some alt textual descriptions of the images, which really is to the benefit of everyone because then we get What on Prime trying to break down these images in a way that doesn't spoil what's happening. So perfectly convenient for today's exercise. So... The first picture that we see, video description. As Rafe continues to talk, the video cuts to concept art of two men overlooking a valley. There appears to be a small encampment and bridge near the river below. That handy little detail was a huge assistance because when I was looking at these pictures, I did not see the small encampment. So yeah, any thoughts on who these gentlemen are? what they're looking at, where in the world we might be. 
that those are tough questions. I can tell you what I think these people are doing. Actually, I really can't. The guy on the left gives off a million different vibes of could be looking at how to attack, how to sneak up on these people. The guy on the right just seems 100% nonchalant about the whole situation. And whether that camp on the left actually means anything or if they're just looking out because they came to a lookout point and they're finding their way down on the trail that's on the right side there that leads down to that uh, bridge, if you call it a bridge. Um, past that, who the people are, just because of the way they're standing and the way that they're postured, I don't get an evil presence or a, a, a negative presence to them at all. So they just seem like someone that's either going to go down there and see what it's all about, or they're, you know, I guess you could say a good guy <laughs> in this scenario comparatively. You also look down at the encampment where everything is black. The people on the far horses, everything is black. And I don't mean color of skin tone or anything like that. I mean that every piece of article of clothing, the tents are black, giving away the illusion of an evil presence in the area, right? So I, I would say that there are two people that are good. It's kind of that good versus evil mentality right now for me. Okay. Like one of the one of the themes of balance, good, good looking down at evil, encroaching. I get it. I'm picking up what you're sloshing around. Let's go to image number two. So the next image that we see is described as the next piece of concept art is a festival with numerous lights adorning the town and women dancing in a circle as men look on. Again, didn't pick that up without the description. Judging based by the, the gender count at the start of this, yeah, this that's a big part of it for them, just uh, the men and women mentality there. Looking around, it's like a festival that's staged and often. It's not just a dance for one night. Um, I can 100% notice the tree and the inn in the background. Then, uh, yeah, I, I guess patrons. I, the one thing I don't see other than one is children, which is kind of interesting. So it must be either... People of obviously all adults, but no one's in any military style clothing. So that's just kind of strange to me. I guess it could be nighttime, children put in bed, but still calling it a festival um, with people dancing. It's just strange to me. There's no children. Yeah, that's pictured all. definitely a detail I haven't picked up on um, before. Uh, you pointed out the inn that we saw in the first drop. So I think it's safe to say based on the inn and the tree that you recognized from the set location that this is going to be in Evans Field, and that's our wine spring in. So I don't know if that adds anything else to the scene for you. You know, there's clear objectification happening with a bunch of women dancing while men just, you know, creep in the background and stare. It's me, Miss Wedding, oh so much. For some reason, they decided to zoom in on this chap in a second image. Well, he's either ostracized or just doesn't want to be part of it, one of the two. He's either choosing to be on the back nine or he's been put on the back nine. I'd assume he's a key character. All right. From there, we move on to your Western scene. And this description is, from there, the video shows a group of wagons surrounding a campsite where people have built a fire. So they didn't really give anything away with this description that we didn't already pick up on. There's about five people that are wearing similar style clothes. Like is almost to be like the three in the top left, one in the top right with the other person wearing the red. Something about that just seems a little interesting. Yeah, the, the wagons are sure weird. Two supply on the top left side. The rest are all 
have their own heating source for God's sake in them. And then you have horses on both sides, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you usually would store all of them on one side. So it's two parties coming together, obviously, for me. Anything about, it looks like laundry hanging up in like the top? Yeah, I can't figure out what that yellow piece is that's right in front of it. Caught my eye immediately, but I mean, don't know. Just bright and flashy. Okay, so two parties coming together. That's interesting. Again, I didn't pick up on that with how the horses are situated. I guess it pays to have a farm kid around. This just gave me strong, like, you have died of dysentery vibes. <laughs> the best games ever. The far left, two people that are looking after, they're either, one guy's holding either a, a stick to herd horses, which makes no sense, or he's on guard. One of the two things, right? Yeah, it's just strange to me. It's supplies on both sides. So it just feels like it's two parties of people. And it looks like they did about 300 donuts with those wagons before they parked them. You don't meet up with your bros and just do donuts in the field? All right. The next image. Um, I'm I, I'm partial to the last one, but I really like this piece of concept art. I think it's just beautiful. The video then transitions to concept art of a group of riders on horseback crossing a bridge over a stream. Again, these last few descriptions have not given us any of the goods. Ancient monument, for sure. Edge side of the bridge. Bridge doesn't look necessary anymore. Doesn't look like there's much of a stream there. The person in the red has been in the last two. The woman in the red. Other than that, this just seems like an old road that 100% would have missed on it in any show three quarters of the time. But that old uh, monument that's there on the far side of the bridge was built there for a reason, but obviously whoever put that in and the power that they put in is now gone because it's dissipated during the time. So there's a bridge in the series. And again, I don't think it's a spoiler to tell you the name of it. I'm just going to, it's called White Bridge. It's in the books. We don't know if it's going to be in the show. It is this magnificent bridge that spans, I can't even, I don't even know how long, but it's, it's, it's a formidable architecture. When this image sprung up, some just hungry fans were like, it's White Bridge. And I just got this, uh, you know, Robin Hood men in tights when little John falls in the river. We don't get no tolls. You don't get no roll. Or we don't get no rolls if you don't pay no tolls. Yeah. Then he falls in. I can't swim. Yeah. I can't. I can't swim. Huge. I can't swim vibes from this. This podcast is brought to you by Robin Hood men in tights. We are men. Manly men. Manly men. <laughs> Um, yeah, so not too much here that we haven't already dissected. You can kind of see that it's a well-trodden path. Clearly, they're, you know, on the highway to hell going somewhere. I wouldn't say well-trodden. I'd say for me, this is definitely a back road. This used to be something main, just judging only by the monument, like I said. But now it's, you know, there's no maintenance done and there's no nothing being done to it. It's not wide enough. It's barely wide enough for one cart to get across, it looks like. So this is definitely kind of a either a, either a back way into something or it's going to something that used to be populous that is no longer or used to be popular that is no longer popular, no longer uh, up and going. And are you a fan of the back way in? <laughs> I take back roads if it's quicker to get me to my destination. That's what I'll say to that. <laughs> Finally, with respect to concept art, this is my favorite picture. And as we saw uh, in the video, 
the smoke or smog or whatever you want to call it kind of moves in the video in a still image. We're not in Harry Potter. I hope it's not moving or I am like living in the wrong times. So final image that was dropped on January 15th. It ends with concept art of a hooded rider on horseback in a deserted city covered by a pale white fog. So, I mean, we get a little bit here from the description, just calling it a deserted city, which I thought was interesting. What do you think, just kind of looking at this deserted city with the hooded rider clip-clopping his way through? Doom and gloom. I mean, these are so tough to guess if they're depicting that everyone shuttered in and currently has the plague and doesn't go outside. This is probably what we look like right now. Um, or if this is, you know, completely dead, no one's around anymore. This person's riding. The biggest piece to me, obviously, straight down the pipe, you look at the very top, there's, uh, there's light shining. So they don't, most of these times, I don't think in Hollywood or no matter what, they don't put light at the end of the tunnel unless they want you to be looking at it, right? So everything around it, I mean, the moss and the rocks on both sides points to this place is completely dead. Nothing's been there for a long time, uninhabited to me. Um, also, there's no waste. There's no anything anywhere on any of the rubble. There's no horse apples, if you will. There's just nothing. So, But when you get further up, it looks like a long stairway up. And then I can't tell if you, that's something at the very top, just below it, the little black icon. Just below the uh, the top, obviously, palace piece, then there's kind of a crest there just to the left. It's hard to tell if that's an archway going in. Whoever's riding this per horse, whatever the situation is right now, looks tired, looks desolate. Uh, just from the back side of things, but uh, that's that's a hundred percent what I get, and can't tell. There's no sword, there's no weapon from this angle whatsoever. So it just seems like someone that's lost in a lost city. What emotion, if any, do you get when looking at this? Is it does it resonate with you in any way differently? It looks like COVID right now. <laughs> it's it's doom and it's gloom. Oh, yeah, it's that's my first thing that I said, and that's totally what I stick to it. It's it's just what once was is no more kind of mentality, right? Obviously, this was a big happening place, and it is 100% dead town right now. Awesome. Okay. And that's it for the concept art, which is both good and bad because the, the next one, next two move a lot more quickly. But these, I just think, I just think they're so incredible and definitely worth going back to and reviewing because we don't know with concept art you never know how closely it's going to match what's in the show because it's all just conceptual we don't know what the artist is focusing on is it the costumes is it the atmosphere like what are they bringing to it so i think it'll be really fun when the series uh, does come out to come back and look at these pieces of concept art and just see how much they differ from what we eventually get on screen and now we're back to our regularly scheduled, what is it called? Like a ditty? Something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. That's like, called a ditty? What would you call it? Limerick? I don't know. <laughs> something. The shortest soliloquy in human history? Whatever the fuck it's called. So this is going to be our something old, something new, something borrowed. I have a lot of feelings about this. I'm not going to say what they are. But just know, this gave me so much excite. I'm pretty sure this little ditty is from Reservoir Dogs on the soundtrack. 
All right, let's make a deal. He removes a ruby-hilted dagger from a very fancy box. And uh, when the scene opens, it opens on a script that slowly becomes unblurred. The part that we can read says, And inside, he sees something protected from the ravages of time. A ruby-encrusted dagger. It must be worth more than anything he's seen before. He picks it up, looks at it, and then, dun dun da, come at me, Verge. What you feeling? This guy's a thief, hundred percent. Ravager goes around finding things. First thing that stood out, and I'm sorry, but I have to say it: the shimmer that comes off the dagger means that there's something bigger about this because there is zero light leading up to the shimmer that I saw. The ruby was the first thing that really drew my eye after that, and I was thinking that it might have a little bit more power, but it's totally just a it's a, a dagger. It has a ton of value, but this guy has zero, or guy or girl, has zero knowledge whatsoever what this dagger is, other than it's valuable. So something that has been left uh, through the ages of time, or uh, through time, as they say there. So this is something old, this is something very valuable that wasn't meant to be found. And someone has stumbled upon it that, at this point in time, it's not the right person to find it. Right. And then we get this voiceover, which I think is a male voice saying, all right, let's make a deal. Who the fuck is he talking to? Yeah, that's either a foreshadowing or down the road, or he's found something that someone has put him up to robbing this place or sacking this place or whatever have you. Terminology there. Super small dagger, though. Yeah, it's just just a little baby. And then, of course, we get the video descriptions now because one on Prime has become attuned, so we can look at those. The first description we get is, the video starts with ominous sounds over a black screen, then a script page that's mostly blurred appeared. The visible line reads, and inside you see something protected from the ravages of time, a ruby-encrusted danger. So, I mean, that's what one on Prime wanted us to see i don't think this will come as a shock to you that people have spent dozens of hours dissecting and unblurring what the rest of that script says which you would do not get to know because one it wouldn't make sense to you and two it's a leak the second video description the script dissolves to show a dark hallway inside a massive stone structure a dim light shines through a window showing rubble lying on the floor and then finally We then see a man's hands, so you were right, opening a gold box. From the box, he removes the dagger as the voice says, All right, let's make a deal. The video then ends with a shot of something mysterious that quickly fades to black. So that was the mysterious kind of image after. I'll pull it up again for you. It reminds me of like Legend of Zelda, like Majora's Mask. That's what I see when I look at it. I was more just realized, did I miss a genie thing here? <laughs> like, pops up, rubs the dagger kind of mentality? Like, is that a thing? It's a job of the hut. This is what I'm saying. Or, like, one of those creepy things in Majora's Mask that, like, dances and it's got the mask on. It's Majora. That's what I see. Without telling me, do you have an idea of who this is? I mean, I think I, think I do. But... Also, I don't, because again, I just see this, like some people have dissected this so thoroughly. I haven't stumbled upon a theory that I'm in love with yet. I'm just excited to see what the show does with this. Okay, so that was our something borrowed, naturally, because he a thief, as you identified right off the hop. And finally, 
the last drop that we have. After this, you'll be all caught up. You will be like, we'll be able to like tackle new drops as they come instead of kind of like taking on seven at once. But you know, we've said it before, seven spokes on the wheel of time, seven ages, seven drops. It fits. I love it. This drop was meant to be seen by more than just book readers. This is a drop that was promoted by Rosamund Pike on her Instagram before it dropped on One on Prime. She posted to her story just a sparkly background, looks like some northern lights, and uh, she had the words, I have something to show you in a couple of hours, a taste of what's to come. And then she added One on Prime. Naturally, we all lost our shit because this happened on a Wednesday. So we knew something was coming. And because it's something blue, it's especially significant that Rosamund Pike, who's playing Moraine, posted this. We will go in to Moraine a little bit in that deeper character dive I was telling you about, but not this day. All you need to know is that Blue is relevant to her character. So she posed this. And as you know, Rosamund Pike just won a Golden Globe. She's huge. Millions of followers. She then actually released this to the public first. Didn't come from One on Prime. I mean, of course, it like eventually was posted. Amazon Prime tweeted it. Rosamund Pike posted it on Insta. Uh, Alvaro Morte, who is playing a character... And has the most follow. He's Money Heist. I don't know if you've seen Money Heist. Anyway, big name guy. He retweeted or reinstated it, and it got like so many views. Are you ready for the best five seconds of your life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the caption on this one just reads Moraine, damn a dread. Period. Bull stop. Let's go, girl. Do not underestimate the women in this tower. Wow. What do you think? All right, you got to pause it. I have to look around a little bit. If you can. That's, that's not long. So we're just like going through pauses here for those who are not watching by video. And I'm just clicking pause as quick as I can. So Virgil can get like shots as we see Moraine opening her eyes slowly before we go to this flash of white. We see she's wearing earrings. And has her signature blue eyes. Dark black hair, long flowing. Don't enter underestimate the women of this tower. So on her Instagram, when she posted this, and this is what I think is, again, because she's the one who did the drop. She writes, Wheel of Time fans and future Wheel of Time fans. Virgin, I'm looking at you. I am giving you your first exclusive glimpse of Moraine. Woman of mystery, power, calm, and strength. Everyone in the Wheel of Time family is excited to show you the full series when it comes to Amazon Prime. We love these characters, and it is an honor to have the chance to embody them. Moraine Sedai is an enigma and a force of nature, never to be underestimated. See a flash of her here as she embraces the source of the one power. So her description, I think, gives a lot more insight into this image. And then she also used the hashtags, hashtag Blue Aja, hashtag 
the one power hashtag wheel of time. So that hashtag blue Aja may give you a clue about the something blue. That no, not at all. <laughs> the the one power was good that she said that thing. I'm just trying to figure out in my own mind if she's someone that stays connected to this this tower of women, or if she's someone that goes back and comes back to it kind of mentality. Like, does she leave after a reason? Is this how she feels the whole show, or is this something that she comes about in time? I'm trying to figure that out, but yeah, no, this this excites me. This is a good flash. Yeah. What do you think about, do not underestimate the women of this tower? She's fighting, 100%. She's fighting for the tower. Someone is obviously underestimating her, I guess would be the best way to put it, but she's 100% defending and fighting, proving something. And the tower, which we briefly touched on, if you recall from the first episode we recorded, there's that tower of channelers that are only women on Vagina Island that Dick Mountain's shadow penetrates. So that could help because we did talk about in our first episode that only the women channel now, only the women use the one power and that they're part of an organization that is in a tower. So knowing that context, I don't know if it actually gives you any more to this five second clip or if it clarifies any little anything or if Maureen's or uh, Rosamond's description kind of broke that down more clearly. I guess Enigma. I, I don't understand if it's just her that's an Enigma or everyone in the tower, if she's a standout from the community of people that she's in, which is kind of what I, I'm guessing that she is. Obviously, she's the biggest character. But yeah, she's Rosamund Pike. But I know it, it doesn't give a lot away. I mean, I'm going back to that one picture wondering if that white tower was the tower, <laughs> but I'm going to guess no. Because I did not see a shadow from anything being cast onto that thing right there. But no, I mean, it doesn't give a lot away. As, as a never reader, I mean, not a lot, right? I mean, this could go a trillion different directions. And there's no timing to her looks. There's no anything to it, right? Like, it's fantastic for someone that had never known even the amount that I know right now. They have no idea what they're in for. It's great. All right. That's it. That's all. That's all the drops we got. One on Prime. Just absolutely not need to give us what they have given us over the past how many months is september to april eight it's a period of time that's you know it happened so they are not obligated to give us this and yet they have and it just if anything it makes me more excited for the show these changes that they've made that we've kind of touched on I'm excited for them. I'm excited for a new turning of the wheel. I've been with these books for 21 damn years. I'm ready for something new and different and bold. And now I'm just going to be quoting soap operas. Give me the bold and the beautiful. Yeah, from you, I'd imagine you're just, I can't even fathom how everyone feels that's been a reader for so long to see these things actually come to fruition, right? No, I uh, think the cast is fantastic. I think that the, the clues that they gave away give a lot more away to a book reader, you know, to the book readers, to people that read all of these, because it definitely wasn't a large giveaway for me, that's for sure. But it gave enough away that I could make some guesses that I have no idea if they're right, but I definitely will revisit them and see if they are down the road. Brilliant. Um, as Chat pointed out, there's another drop. It's the table read. I count it as a different drop than what they've given us. The table read was something very special. 
and we will get into it. But I, I want to do that more in the context of like the character analysis. They, these drops that they've been releasing since September are once a month. I mean, they missed November once every six weeks kind of is their pattern. And now that it's hit the greater world and has been targeted towards non-book readers, I'm interested to see how these drops might change going forward. Yeah, I guess they'll just keep giving more and more away and maybe they'll keep going further from the books. Maybe they'll keep trending towards the books. I, I can't tell you. I know you could tell me maybe. But yeah, I guess the more they give you, the uh, more excited you are. There's a lot of books, a lot of characters they can't give away but too much, that's for sure. Yeah, well, and especially because the first series or the first season we think is mostly book one, maybe glimmers of book two, possibly, and then some flashbacks, we think, possibly to the prequel, which was published after book 10. So, yeah, it's exciting. Thanks so much for uh, for hanging out with us, pals, as we go through this What's Up with What on Prime and Delusions of Grendel with me as always. Yeah, Virgil, always happy to be here. Let's keep this rolling. Beautiful. Um, you can find us on Twitter, Feather Mountain Pod, on Instagram, Feather Mountain Podcast. You can find us in Discord. We've got a little nook at the bottom of the wheel reads. Come join. We're currently doing um, open recordings for all. That might change one day, but again, not this day. And please send your hate mail or send your regular mail to Feather and Mountain Podcast at gmail.com. You can send your hate mail to go lick some icing off a toaster strudel at unplugthetoaster.ca. Thank you so much, pals. We'll catch you next time. This has been Feather and Mountain Podcast. I hope you enjoyed music by the incomparable Ivan Dutch art by the one and only Shansani Orand. If you would like to leave us a rating, we would appreciate it. Like, subscribe, and we'll see you next week.